0: Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. You know, uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity
1: thing. Are you employing Mr. Lebowski? Ah! Employed?
0: You like sex, Mr. Lebowski.
1: Is this your only ID? Ah! You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. Your name's Lebowski. Lebowski. John Lebowski, the other Lebowski, the millionaire. I received this ransom note this morning. This is the bummer, man. They want you to take the money and act as courier. Oh, yeah. What the hell is this? My dirty onions, dude. The whites. Let's take that hill. Why should we settle for twenty grand when we can keep the entire million? I know you're mixed up in all this. Playing one side against the other in bed with everybody. Blow them. Huh? Fabulous stuff. What? Who's sitting on a million dollars? We want some money. Ah! Sitting in the trunk of our car. Where's my damn money? Say, dude, where is your car?
0: Who's got your undies, Walter?
1: This is a very complicated case, Maude. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. Is this your homework, Larry? Yeah, and I would like my undies back. A lot of uh, strands to keep in my head, man. Hey, careful, man. There's a
0: beverage here,
1: huh? I like your style, dude. I have no choice but to tell these bums to do whatever is necessary to recover their money from you. were nazis dude they were nihilists, man they kept saying they believed in nothing
0: you figured oh here's a loser you know a, a deadbeat
1: well aren't you well yeah you cannot drag this negative energy into the tournament
0: jeffrey bond love me uh, that's my robe I'm throwing rocks tonight. It don't matter to
1: Jesus. (laughs) This could be a a, a lot more uh, uh, complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such
0: a simple, uh, you know? Hi, I'm Barry McGuire, host of Car Crazy Television, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned into to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome this evening, a couple days after 4th of July. I hope everybody had a good 4th of July weekend. I know we had a fun time. Actually, uh, you know, our show got kind of delayed last week because of the rain and the baseball game and good stuff like that. So we did have a cool Friday evening. We actually did a two hour show. We did the, at six o'clock, we did nostalgic radio and cars. And at seven o'clock, we did beach rock radio, which we hadn't done in a long time. So once we get that stuff straightened out, we'll post it on our website, Facebook, and all over the place. As a matter of fact, run to your computers in Google, tan talk1340.com. That's Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us here live in the studio in downtown Clearwater. And be sure and check out our website, golfstreammotorsports.com. And on our website, be sure and click on podcast so you can listen to some of our past shows, especially the ones that you missed. And here's some of your favorite TV characters, okay? And uh, jump over to Facebook. Be sure and give us a big like on Facebook and we got a great show for you tonight we got a uh, matter of fact what we're going to do tonight we're going to talk about cars and classic cars a little bit and the guest that we have on a little bit later is a very well-known guy in the collector car world uh he's been on our show before and he's a friend of mine and i see him at uh, a number of major events around the country so we're gonna have some good 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 classic car talk and some great stories because he's got a few and i've got a few how you doing this evening cedric oh pretty good How's the Saturn doing? I heard it whining the other night again. Uh it's running. It's running. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, we'll have to get you some fluid for that uh, sounds like a power steering pump's going out of that thing. Yeah, that's what people say, but it, it's not the power steering. It's not. Okay. It's, it's uh it's a common fault on those uh 98 Saturns. Okay. It's uh I don't exactly know what it is. It's uh one of the you know where the serpentine belt serpentine goes belt? through. Yeah, one like of the idler pulleys there. The okay. All right, well maybe you might want to check on the internet. You never know. There might be a uh, some sort of a recall on those things since General Motors has yeah, I think it. there is. I is think there? there is. It's it's a cheap part. I just need to get it and put it in there and it'll sound better. Okay. Well, lately I've had the rollback out, so if you need a tow, you know, you know who to call. 104, you know, Rollbusters, Rollbackbusters. <laughs> anyway, speaking of rollbackers and cars, you know, I got to tell you, you, know, I've been driving around a little bit because I've been looking for something to buy and sell, you know, cuz I like to flip cars every once in a while. And I've looked at all kinds of stuff. I mean, the other day my son and I were over in Tampa and and uh, I saw this uh, little Mazda Miata advertised. I thought, well, that'd be kind of a cool little car, you know. Usually, you know, in a Mazda Miata, you want to get, uh, obviously, a stick shift because it's a sporty little car. But uh, there's a lot of girls that are 16 years old now, and that, you know, for their first car. An automatic is just right. And, you know, a lot of these kids today don't drive sticks like we did back in the day when we were kids. And uh, so automatics are pretty popular. But anyway, long story short, we looked at this little Miata. It was a decent little car. had a repaint on it. Had all the original stickers on it, so it looked like the bodywork was fairly original to the car, but it was just used and abused. It had over 100,000 miles on it. We took it for a spin. It drove okay. Had a little clunk in it. You know, the typical transmission that's about to go type clunk. Um, the air was cool, but not cold. Other than that, it drove fine. I mean, you can tell it was a hundred and some one thousand mile car. It wasn't perfectly maintained, but it did kind of wiggle and shake a little bit needed a set of tires and you know but the price was right you know the guy was asking a couple grand for it you know twenty four, twenty five hundred 2500 bucks and naturally you know you have to discount what it's going to cost to fix it and try to make it a car which would include detailing tires and of course uh fix the ac and that could be a dollar or a thousand dollar bill really a uh, pricey item on a lot of these newer cars not cheap like the old cars because everything's so buried underneath the dash you know hopefully the transmission has doesn't have anything major maybe may only need you know a little training fluid or or something, you know, I'm not sure. Hopefully that would be the worst case scenario. But at any rate, uh, we looked at that. And then a couple of days ago, I went and looked at a, a Honda Element. Talking about extremes, going from a Mazda Miata to a Honda Element. And I just thought it was kind of a goofy little car. Um, you know, it looks like some sort of a little Lego put-together thing, like a, a bread box on wheels. And, uh, you know, one pulled up beside me here about two, three weeks ago, and I was just kind of staring at it. And I thought, yeah, you know, that might be a cheap little beater to drive, you know. Kind of a catch-all car, you know, pretty utilitarian. Basically, you can uh, open all the doors and uh, pull half the interior out of it. It's all uh, it's all plastic and waterproof. Waterproof seats and rubber mats. Hose it out and vacuum it out and fan it out and dry it out and drive on. Anyway, the trick is, is like today, if you are going to buy and sell cars, I mean, legally, the way the law reads, unless you're a dealer, you know, you can buy up to three cars a year and buy and sell them, do whatever you want to do with them, and uh, DMV won't crawl up your, your little hiney and make a big stink about it. If you sell more than three cars, um, you know, then they would like to see you get a dealer license. But nonetheless, so I saw this little Honda element, and I thought that was kind of cool. And then I found one online, and I went and checked it out. I guess where I'm going with this is that, you know, things are kind of crappy out there. Things are kind of tough. So what you do is you try to figure out a way to, you know, supplement your income. And a lot of guys, I mean, like what I do is I buy and sell cars and parts. So that's something I've always done. I've been doing it actually since I was 16. Started out with parts. I started out with cars, but then I fell in love with the cars, so I never sold the cars. But I did buy and sell the parts, so that wasn't a big problem. You know, then I would go to swap meets. And then uh, the trick is, is to buy more stuff that you can sell so that you can keep the few things that you want to keep that's really, really cool. Obviously, that's the way it should work in the car business. You know, you buy 10 cars so you can keep one, you know. Buy ten and sell the other nine. But uh, in our travels, you know, a lot of times what you do is if we do this on weekends sometimes or in the afternoon, you know, you tend to drive by garage doors and they tend to be open. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, there's uh, stuff, cars sitting in these garages, often with covers or blankets on top of them. And in many cases, boxes and boxes of stuff, junk. Uh, I can certainly relate to that because, you know, you never get around to a project because sometimes what happens is you buy one and then you're tinkering with it and then you find something else and that car gets put on the back burner and then you buy this one and then you start tinkering with it and get it to the point where it's almost drivable. Then you find something else and then you shove it beside the house and then you throw a car cover over it or something, a tarp, and then you find another one and then that uh, process pretty much repeats itself and pretty soon you got 10, 20 cars laying around. Well, anyway, over the weekend... We ran across the guy, and his garage door was open, and guess what was sitting in there? A really, really, really nice 70 and a half C28, and uh, it was the green, the dark green, which I can't remember what that's called. I know in 69, it's fathom green in 70. I don't remember what they called it. Corvette had a color very similar to it, and they called it Brands Hatch Green for the 70 models, so my guess is it's probably the same color, just has a different name, because Corvette will have one name, and a Camaro will have another name, and a Chevrolet will have another name, and a Cadillac will have another name, and a Buick, and so on. Anyway, this was a pretty nice car. Looked fairly decent. Uh, Had been painted before. It was a factory four-speed car. RS front end, the most desirable. You know, split bumper front end. Really, really nice car. Was it for sale? No. Um, The guy had had the car for a long time, bought it off a buddy who had it for a number of years, and the car evidently came from North Carolina. Had gone through probably some cosmetic upgrades, reconditioning. You know, a lot of people like to say it was restored, but I could tell it wasn't restored. It was just painted and, you know, touched up, here and there, and fixed up, so it was a pretty nice little car. But also in that same neighborhood, and I'm not going to reveal my sources, but in that same neighborhood, as we were going down the road, we ran across a 1967 442 convertible four-speed car. Nice-looking car, not bad. Um, As the story goes on that one, the kid had brought the car down, bought it off eBay, brought it down from New York, or Michigan, I think is where it came from. Unfortunately, it was subjected to the Rust Belt, so it was... Very, very weak, but uh, had a lot of filler in it. But, you know what? Within his budget and his means, he made a nice driving car out of it, so he was happy with it. And as long as it puts a smile on his face, that's all that matters. But his neighbor had something real interesting. His neighbor had a 1960 or 61, can't remember, Dodge Phoenix, and... That's really was a really, really cool car. What was interesting about this car is the guy had owned the car since new. He was the original owner. And the best part about the car, it was a convertible. A convertible Dodge Phoenix. So, I mean, it was a, and it was a good color, too. It wasn't a typical red, white, or something like that. It was kind of a real pretty teal color. And although it was faded, it still had, uh, you know, its original paint. The stainless on the car was amazing. It was no dings, no dents. The chrome was actually in pretty good shape. The guy bought the car, I think, in Minnesota, had it for six, seven months or wherever it came from. Maybe it was upstate New York, I'm not sure, but it was a northern state and uh, brought it down to Florida so it never, never, never saw a winter. Beautiful car. But I guess where I'm going with this is that, uh, you know, if you drive around, you never know what you're going to find. It's just, unfortunately, you know, fuel being the cost that it is today, you know, it's not like I can drive around in my spare time and find this stuff. I usually just kind of, you know, when I'm going from point A to point B, a lot of times I'll just meander through neighborhoods. So what should be a 20-minute track usually ends up taking me an hour because I'm going left, going right, going here, going there. But anyway, hey, Cedric, we got something on the turntable? We do, we do. Let's uh, play a little vinyl here for our guests, our listeners, rather. And uh, this is kind of a cool song. This is Depeche Mode. We haven't played any 80s stuff. Oh, no, I should say we haven't played a lot of 80s stuff. But the uh, as per request by our guests this evening, uh, we we're going to play a little Depeche Mode.
1: Listening
0: to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners, like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727 501 Your Pizza Shop, located at 1200 8th Avenue Southwest in Largo, offers a great selection of personalized pizzas, pastas, and calzones, as well as delicious wings, subs, salads, and tasty desserts. Enjoy the relaxing atmosphere and scenic view overlooking Pinecrest Golf Course. Remember, for the finest pizza anywhere, takeout, delivery, or catering, call 581-1101. That's 581-1101. Or order online at yourpizzashop.com. Customer. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Oh yeah, and I'm your show host and certifiable car nut, Robert. Hey, you know what this weekend is? Actually, this Friday. This Friday is National Collector Car Appreciation Day. Okay? Now, from what I understand, and I don't know a lot about it yet, I just uh somebody just brought it to my attention here a while back, and I know it's been going on for a year or two, but anyway. SEMA, the Special Equipment Marketing Association, they have their lobbyists, which are very, very much in our corner as far as, you know, all things for the collector car, the aftermarket car industry, uh, just the automobile specialty car industry in general, okay? So they're they're big lobbyists. They're, they're really in our corner. But anyway, so they've got this thing that they've been lobbying for us for a number of years because, you know, over the last, really, four or five decades, they've been actually trying to, you know, do away with old cars. You know, they were trying to pass some law there for a while back, not the clunker law, but, I mean, there was other stuff that people were working on, politicians, crazy politicians, and they were trying to make it so that if cars were 10 years old and older, they had to be scrapped and so on. But anyway, so this weekend, uh, I guess the politicians... In spite of all their bickering, clowning around, wasting money, the uh, worthless bums got one thing right and successfully were able to negotiate some sort of a deal for us to Congress, and it's evidently uh, the deal. Uh, it's National Collector Car Appreciation Day. Well, anyway, this Friday, uh, over at the Timeout Grill and Bar at 9009 Oakhurst Road, uh, a local car club by the name of the Tri-City Cruisers is having a little cruising, so you might want to check that out, okay? And uh, that should be a lot of fun. I don't know how many people are going to ex- anticipate or how many people will show up, but I think they're anticipating somewhere around 50 people. And uh, 50 cars. So that's a good start. Also, you know, if you listened a few minutes ago, we uh, did a little promo for one of our new sponsors, and that is the Pizza Shop. Well, interestingly enough, they have a huge parking lot that uh, they share with the Pinecrest uh, Golf Course. And we've been talking to them, and it's just talk at this point in time. But there's a good possibility we might do a car show there maybe on a Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, or possibly a Saturday after the golfers, you know, split. Because then we can have the whole parking lot to ourselves. And there's actually room for probably 100, 150 cars. So, that's something we're talking about. As that progresses, I will keep you guys informed, okay? Um, also, if you've also been paying attention to TV lately, you'll notice that there's a lot of new reality car TV-oriented shows coming up. And we've actually been in contact with a number of them, and it's very possible, I'm not going to mention any names yet because it's premature, that we may be having some of those show hosts from those TV shows on our show as guests here in the next uh, month or so. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, One gentleman we will have on here is Ian Johnson. If you ever watch Extreme 4x4 on Spike TV on Saturdays, Ian will be on our show probably within the next week or two. So I'm looking forward to having him. And for all you 4x4 nuts, this will give us a great opportunity to pick his brain and talk about some serious 4x4 stuff because he's also a technical writer for Crawl Magazine. So that should be pretty interesting and informative. Oh, yeah, another quick story. Kind of a barn find story. Quick, quick, quick. One of the other things that we uh, noticed when we were driving around the other day is I uh, was coming around this corner and I noticed, uh, you know, your basic mid-year Corvette sitting off to the side. Didn't pay much attention to it because it was kind of shiny and flashy and the wrong color, you know, a non-original color and had a little goofy little flare on the back. And you could see that the wheel wells were kind of radius a little bit. So I didn't really pay much attention to it. And it looked like, you know, maybe a 63, well, not a 63. It didn't look like a 63 at first. It looked like a 64 or five or who knows what it was, you know, because they patch them all together these days, you know. But then as I went past it, what caught my eye was I realized there was a split window or at least it had a split window in the back. So I thought, well, you know what? I might as well just back up and check. You know, you just never know. So I got out. I looked at the car and then I went inside and I asked, I said, "Uh, what's the story in the Corvette out there? And he says, it's a 63 split. one." I said, really? And he tells me it was a car. It was a race car at one point in time and been, you know, cut, spliced, diced and whatnot. So we walked outside, we looked at it, and it, had your basic small block in it, you know, late model 350 or some crud, you know, junk Chevrolet, you know me, I'm a Ford guy, I would have put a Ford in it. That's actually on my bucket list, and that is to put a Ford motor in a 63 split window and call it a 4 But at any rate, uh, it had like some funky looking hood on it, like, the, like a replica big block 67 hood. But it was a real split window car, it had the right windshield frame on it, you know, which on the 63s... When I say the windshield frame, they were actually chrome. They were stainless all the way around, which they only did that in 63. They didn't do that in 64, 5, 6, or 7. And uh, and it had two taillights. It didn't have four, but it did have a little flare on the back. And um, so we got to jaw jacking with the guy a little bit. Next thing you know, he tells me that uh, he uh, asked me if I wanted to buy the car. And then I said, well, yeah, what do you want for it? He says, no, I'm just jacking with you. It's not for sale. So I've uh, heard that story a hundred times, too. But he had a couple 58s that were. So then his buddy comes out, and we start talking about uh, the 58 Corvettes. Next thing you know, he starts telling me about this 58 that's uh, in the back that was an old race car. And he asked me if I wanted to see it. So I said, yeah. And uh, so we turned the truck off. My son and I walked in and we looked at it. Sure enough, there's an old 58 uh, Corvette rolling chassis just sitting there. But what was interesting about this car is it kind of looked kind of funny. So uh, the wheel wells were all cut out in the thing in the back. The front was kind of modified a little bit. And uh, it was actually notched right underneath the rocker, so it looked like it had some sort of side exhaust or fender wall headers or something like that at one point in time. But it was a real race car. It had a complete modified chassis underneath. It had a Ford 9 inch. Actually, the rear end was probably somewhere around 66 because it had the drain plug in it, which I think they only did 66, 67 on Fords. But uh, and I may I may stand corrected. But nonetheless, it had some funky frame underneath the front of it, which was elongated, and it was a straight axle, so that was really weird. Then, when I started looking at the body a little bit after he popped the hood off of it, it was uh, the uh, firewall was modified, so it looked like the the frame was modified, so it had a s- engine that was set back and came pretty much underneath the cowl, almost like an early attempt at an altered, you know, altered wheelbase car, kind of like an AFX car. And then when I looked inside, I could see that it had a uh, roll bar that was made up for it, like a three-point loop, which is something you rarely ever see in the new cars. You only see them in older cars. So that was period correct. Uh, It had a shaft, you know, just a a narrow single shaft with a a quick-release steering wheel on it and uh, just a couple of little braces that were running off to the side to keep the steering wheel from flopping around, obviously. But uh, it was just kind of an interesting piece. But the thing that puzzled me the most was the windshield because the windshield was actually cut and spliced. What was really weird is the way the hood, which was a 50, 59 or 60 hood, not the correct original 58 washboard hood, was set on the car. It had a hood scoop that was very, very close to the back, which actually kind of sat up on the windshield, but it didn't sit up on the windshield because for some reason, the windshield was actually cut, like I said, modified and spliced, and it had a plexiglass center, and the plexiglass center was actually cut out, and I'm not sure if that was to create some sort of a cow induction slash ram air setup or what it was, but it was really weird. So here you have two original pieces of a windshield that kind of wrap around, and then probably within the middle of the windshield, where what would have been the original windshield, there was about six inches taken out of it, and that was plexiglass. And then it had two vertical reinforced aluminum strips that kind of kept the windshield from popping out of the windshield frame. Really weird, you know, but yet possibly innovative. I don't know. But as the story goes, this car was a race car, came out of the Midwest, had a ton of trophies that came with it, a very successful race car. And the history is not really quite well known or anything like that. So he's in the process of trying to figure that out. But the other thing that was weird is the back of the car. The back of the car was kind of modified, so it didn't have the typical back, like the quarters, you know, where the taillights kind of recess into the top of the quarters as they come down the radius. These things were totally taken out, and then the only thing it had is midway down, it had two little round holes, which is where some sort of taillight went in there. So they were modified. The wheel wells, like I said, were hogged out, and the wells were real deep, so it had some serious meats on the back. Somewhere around 12 to 14-inch wide wheels looked like may have been on that car at one point in time. And then the top was an original hard top because it had the correct, you know, early C1 style quarter glass in it, but basically the whole back end of the out of the the whole back end of the top was formed out of fiberglass. And then as you looked at it, they literally glassed over the existing back glass and left an oval slot so that you could see out of it. I mean, it was really weird. I mean, it was kind of something that would have been done back in the day. It was relatively crude, but I'm sure it was relatively functional and it worked pretty well. So but it just goes to show you, you just never, never know what's inside a building or what's behind a gate. And uh, it's just cool stuff that's still out there, and it's just waiting to be found. And then as we talked with the guy some more, he went on to tell us about some of the early MGAs that he had, and MGTDs, and then a bunch more Corvettes, and he said he had something like 32 cars, you know. And he bought a car, tinkered with it, bought another one, tinkered with it, bought another one, tinkered with it, sold some, kept some, acquired more, and believe me, I know that story. So, you know, there's hundreds of guys out there like that, myself included, and eventually we're all going to get old and crusty and and feeble and we're not going to be able to finish the cars we bought you know 20 30 40 years ago so there's a new group of kids a new crop out there that's going to be uh, anxious to start restoring some of these cars so just keep your eyes open keep your eyes peeled always have some cash in your pocket and you'll get a really good deal and you might get lucky someday anyway we got another song we're gonna our commercial we're gonna go to real quick then we're gonna bring our guest on so, so- song around. and commercial well no first the commercial I think and then oh the, okay you know how it goes I'm losing my mind slowly but surely it's fading you know, I get so overwhelmed with this stuff. Oh, yeah, be sure and tune into the Artie Fletcher Show right after Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Artie, it's Nostalgic Radio and Cars, not Nostalgic Cars and Radio. Okay, I just want to set that, uh, set him straight there. Because he likes to jack with me every once in a while. But you talk about a really funny guy. Matter of fact, He's got Henry Paul coming on this evening from the Henry Paul Band and Blackhawk and formerly the Outlaws. So, for all you Southern rock fans like myself, that'll be pretty cool. Anyway, we're going to go to commercial. We'll be right back. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72, plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com.
1: Roger, sir, may I be of some help? That's funny. My name's Roger. Two Rogers don't make a riot. <laughs> Roger, I have a problem. Yes. I've been in L.A. for three months now. I have money, I have taste. But I'm not on anybody's A-list, and Saturday night is the loneliest night of the week for me. Well, a Ferrari would certainly change that. Perhaps. Hmm. But, you know, this is the one. Yes, 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 I saw three of these parked outside the local Starbucks this morning, which tells me only one thing. There's too many self-indulgent wieners in this city with too much bloody money. Now, if I was driving a 1967 275 GTB Borcam, you would not be a self-indulgent wiener, sir. you would be a connoisseur. Precisely. Champagne would fall from the heavens, doors would open, velvet robes would par. I don't have one here. However, I... You we'll have one in the warehouse? Superb. What else do you have in the warehouse? Hey, this is Dennis Gage from the TV show My Classic Car, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
0: Okay, listeners, we're back. Do tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special it guest for the on. evening. Let me tell you about this gentleman. He's been on our show before. He's very well known in the car industry, especially the collector car industry. For the last three years, or three decades, he's been an automotive photojournalist, a historian, and an author of a number of great books, and countless, I mean thousands and thousands of magazine articles, okay? He's often referred to as the Indiana Jones in the collector car world, and I am delighted to welcome back to Nostalgic Radio and Cars car connoisseur extraordinaire, Jerry Heasley. Jerry, are you there? I'm here. Glad to be here. So, how you doing? I'm sure you got some great stories for us, right?
1: Well, you know, I I, ha- I know where the cars are because I've done the Rare finds column for uh, 22 years in four different magazines, and I have these readers by the hundreds of thousands that when they run into something that's really uh rare and unusual and has a great story to it they they tell me about it I've educated them on taking a picture where the car sits and I try and give readers a vicarious thrill you know about finding the car because I used to work for the National Enquirer and they taught me how to write a strong lead because we're competing with television so you know my stories lead you into the, the piece and keep going and um, actually last year we I did a TV pilot for a for a company, they never did sell it. You know that stuff's hard to sell. But I I know are some neat neat cars, or I can tell you about some that just blow your mind. I mean, I, I love these. I mean, I started I started the the cars in barns on late models. By late models, I mean post war. You know, the the story of the Doozy in the barn is legend, and that was pre war cars, classics. But in 1989. I wanted to start doing the the the, the modern cars, uh, and and I, it was hard to convince anybody at the time this would be something people wanted to to read. But it, we finally got it going. And it took off. You know, one of my first ones was a Boss 429 in Juarez that a lady was using as a doghouse. And I just I love these stories, you know, and I love taking cars pictures of cars just as they sit. And if anybody out there knows, I mean. Just just let me go. Let me know about it. Uh, you can see my columns in Mustang Monthly and Mustang Review and Vet Magazine, uh, or just my name, Jerry Heasley at Gmail. Uh, it's a hard name. If people don't know uh, Jerry Heasley. <laughs> A-S-L-E-Y. But you know, if you'll email me, and I I've been lately last few years I've been going out and shooting them before they pull them. They they have them, and, and of course people are very secretive about this. Like right now I know where there's um. Historic Trans Am racing car. Uh, there's some some that I know about that I, I really can't. I, I, if I, I can't even give a hint because somebody and somebody be tracking me down where's a car. But it comes from my readers, and uh, we, we we still want to do a TV show because some of these things are so big. Like the, a friend of mine just came up with a 23 model T uh, pickup. That is was made into a, a, a rod, a custom in, in nineteen sixty nine and it was painted by the uh, cultural uh, icon von Dutch, uh, otherwise known as Kenny Howard, but he was, he, he, he was a legend in the custom car culture. Uh, of course he's deceased and he, but he striped and painted this car, and it's still sitting in the basement and it just sat there ever since. The car was just too wild to drive. But, I mean, we've got these things, and, and um, you know, you can read a lot of them. I, I, I put together a couple of volumes there, rare finds on muscle cars and rare finds on Mustang and Fords. And um, I probably will be doing another one on, on Chevrolets. But uh, I took a, a – my last one came out in October. I kind of took a little time off here between my next book, and um, I'm, I'm trying a lot of different projects uh, doing some video and stuff just having a good time with cars you know
0: talk tell so, us a little bit about the tv show now what all is involved now you said that you came up with a pilot you you put together a pilot basically like a teaser deal teaser reel and then you try to submit it to some producers and people like that so give us a little idea what the process is like
1: well if i knew i'd probably have it sold i mean the oh, okay. process is you know really here's how it works these there's so many people on to do a tv show but you go talk to somebody, and and you it's almost like you can't give them the idea, because then they have the idea, and then they're afraid that you're going to say you stole it off of them, and uh, or they stole it off of you. So um, it's just a, a tough situation. I I think mainly uh, the people that that do these specialty ones, they they get a sponsor and. Uh, that's, and they sell it first, and then they sell ads. And I'm not really—I didn't really—I I like the creative portion of it. I don't like that business part of it. Okay. I'm kind of like my friend Carol Shelby. He liked to build cars. He just didn't like the business end Gotcha. And, and I, I like to do these stories and get these stories out. But maybe somebody's listening has some contacts that wants to wants to do this, or somebody who would sponsor it. Uh, that uh, You know, there's got to be something in these in this little show here for, for everybody. That's, that's what I want to do next, you know, because some of these cars are so big. Like, I have a friend who has a, there's a, a, a 67 Shelby GT500 he's found. It's sitting in a field, and it was in a barn. I mean, you've heard the story about the classic, the muscle car in the barn, the Shelby in the barn. Mm-hmm. Well, this Shelby was in the barn, but the barn collapsed and now the wood's just hanging all over the car and things, and um, there's some rust in the uh, rocker pan, not the rockers, in the in the front fenders, and uh, there's even one shot where this uh, small animal is uh, living in there and tried to get out of the rust area and got trapped, and, and it's a skeleton now. So, I mean, I really like these stories. Uh, I've got, um, oh, uh 390... A GT Mustang in, in, a, in a garage with stuff stacked all over it, 390 code. Uh, I mean, S code, 390. Uh, I, I've got a lot of these cars uh, that people told me about. I, I just want to start, instead of just getting a picture of them and putting them in, in, a, in a two-page column in the magazine, I just think that it, it deserves uh, some video, and, and and people would love to see this on TV. Um There's so many, there are shows like this, but I think the difference is that I have built up over 30, 25 years of rare finds, I've built up a a group of people that come to me and tell me about these cars, they trust me, I don't try and buy them out from under them, I'm just interested in the story, you know, I have my own cars, you know, I have a Shelby Cobra that was Carol's car, automatic car, when it was the first three years, and I have a, a Mustang convertible, and I've had a lot of different cars, but... I like to do these, these stories, you know. Um, I could I could tell you stories, uh, my, my latest book, there's a story in there about uh, a real GT40 race car, the guy dug up. I mean, the first book, I have a story about a uh, 55, uh, 750 Monza Spider Ferrari that was Phil Hill's first race car before he was a Ferrari t- factory team driver. And it was sitting in the field uh, in the rural area outside of Azle, Texas. That's north of Fort Worth. And it'd been sitting there 30 years. And, and a guy bought it. it. The body's aluminum, so it had corroded. They don't rust, but they do corrode. The drivetrain was gone. But that car is, is, is all done right now and um, back to perfection and worth millions of dollars.
0: Jerry, like some of these cars that you find, and then people tell you about them. What, do you do the follow-ups on them? In other words, do these, these people that actually find these cars, do they actually procure them, or do they just let them sit? Or some of these cars, uh, can you buy them, or are they, or are they unobtainable?
1: Well, uh, the stories I do to the people do buy them okay. almost every time. Now, uh, sometimes, uh, in other words, there's not a story. If, there's, if they're just an old car sitting somewhere, uh, that's not really a story. Uh, a story to me is discovering something and then it, it, it it's bought. Okay, um, I, I know a car right now. I, I'll fascinate you with. I, I just have so many of these because I, I get these calls from all these people and I get these emails. Email is great, but there's a car. There's a collection in Italy right now of very historic Alfa Romeos and assorted racing cars. Are not all Alfa Romeos? But there's an Alfa Romeo sitting there that was. Uh, a Grand Prix racer sort of before we had Formula One but that was the formula one of its day it's brand new and during the war which was in the 30s in Europe and the end of the 40s uh, in Italy they rounded up there was some somebody rounded up a bunch of these cars because they were their war was going on was pretty much worthless and I've heard stories that maybe some of these were just stolen but uh Anyway, they rounded them up, and they're sitting in this huge building. And this guy is getting older. I think he's, he's got two daughters in her late 50s. He won't sell anything. I know a, a guy who went over there, a doctor who went over there and tried to buy this out of the mail. And it, it took, uh, he said he didn't know how many glasses of wine talking to the guy and, and, and this and waiting for it even let him see some of them. But it's a phenomenal collection. And uh, it's amazing what's out there. Would it be? F- uh, I would I'd love to see that collection. I, I mean, what a great story that is. I mean, I think that some of these that don't even get bought can be great stories on video. My columns are always about cars that get bought. There has to be something that happens, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. What would would you would it be fair to say? And and I bring this up because I occasionally drive around, you know, throughout the state of Florida sometimes, and I occasionally invariably stumble across somebody that's got one or two cars and next thing you know there's 30 40 cars there so would it be a fair statement to say that that probably that story that scenario is replicated replicated around the country exponentially
1: well no I don't think exponentially I, I think it's still rare these are this is a rare occurrence. Uh, however they are they are all over. I'll give you an example. I just got back from Omaha. I was shooting a vet rod for Vet magazine um, and Dan Gernston's collection. but he told me about a huge rare find in Pierce, Nebraska. Um, I don't I, I just have a story from him I haven't researched it, but I guess in September they're going to finally auction this this collection but evidently this uh, gentleman and his wife, had sort of a mom and pop Chevy dealership, and he kept a lot of cars that were brand new. And he said their cars out there, probably he thinks five hundred of them, but their cars out there with six miles on them that that are been are rusty and have a tree grown through. Them.
0: Six miles? I mean, that's they have have they're virtually new or were?
1: Yeah, they. This, the story he told me was that uh, the dealer on the inventory he didn't sell, um, he would just threw it out at the farm, and, um, and then he also had some in some buildings. And evidently there's, there's hundreds of these cars, and it's a little farming community, and there's so much interest there now that uh, they're, they're uh, policing the area to keep people away because they're going to auction some of these cars just right there where they sit with the tree growing through them. <laughs> so there are there's. <laughs> You know, but what I'm seeing is these are such interesting stories because it gives the people vicarious thrill that they're the one that found them. It's similar to finding buried treasure mm-hmm. in in other uh, fields. Let's say in in uh, if you're hunting for uh, Spanish galleons on the bottom of the uh, of the Atlantic Ocean along the coast of Florida, and you find one. Okay, now are there a lot of them? No, but when there in the car field, there there are some lesser versions, and then the versions uh, of these rare finds, and then there are some spectacular finds like the Ferrari. And you know, it's just a shame though. This becomes so um, popular that a lot of the people are trying to say just a used car. You know, a lot of used cars. They're trying to put them all in the vein and write it up like it like it's a rare find when it's not. You know these rare—I call them rare finds—but uh, uh, maybe barn find might have been a better term. But these are cars that, to me, are discoveries. They're—they're they're something that uh, you know. I, they're not like uh, like I—I I have people call me. Oh, I know this guy who has a, a, a Body Hemi convertible. You know, it's very rare. Okay, well, it's just a car. He shines up. He's just a collector car. It's not a rare find. A rare find is something that you, you actually rescue, right? I, mean, I think rescue is the operative word here, and and every time you do, it's 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 really really fun. I mean, um, I look at some, and I think the pictures are just key to this. When you look at some of these pictures, I mean, it just makes you want to fall over, like uh, you know, Greg Kwiatkowski, who worked to worked for Chrysler had found the uh, Dodge Daytona that was the first car to top 200 miles an hour in a, in a closed course. And he found that thing out behind the race shop, and, and the nose cone was in the woods. And he took a picture of the nose cone in the woods, and you're thinking, man, how could this happen? And when you read the story how it happened, that's what makes it so exciting. You know, I also see people that there are people who, who uh, take pictures of cars that are abandoned alongside of roads and things, and you'll see it on the internet, and there's several books on it. Um, I guess that's interesting to look at, but to me, with that, I want to know the story, or I, I'm not really, uh, uh, you know, dive in on it. I'm not really uh, so interested. I want to know if, what is the story here. Uh, what, what's interesting about this? I mean, uh, I remember years ago. I'll tell you one story. I don't mean to put anybody down, but I I did that that. Uh, I found uh, I did a story called A Cobra in a Barn in about 96 or 7. And this guy in Illinois Indiana, I have to look it up there, but there in the Midwest, A guy had found a Cobra in a barn, it's 289. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I didn't know it was a sporty car, and I thought, well, uh, that doesn't really work for the magazine. I tried to sell that thing to Road and & Track, and um, they wanted to see it, I faxed it to them, and uh, instead of running my story, they went and wrote their own story, which I thought was a little unethical, but, and they also appeared at the book of Cobra in the barn, that's the subject, that's the car. Okay. You know, and they, they, yes, Peter Egan wrote that up, but I have a little difference of opinion with them on that, I think they should have, you know, uh, referenced me on that or something, but they, they went ahead and did it themselves, so that's the same thing you run into TV. you if you have something really good, you know, um, people are may just take your idea. But I think, in my sense here with the with the TV business, I, I mean, I've got a number of these cars, and and I, I think that uh, uh, they're very very difficult to, to find. It's a it's a lifelong struggle or, or a pursuit. You know, mm-hmm. uh, working on this stuff every day. It's really been my passion for the last. Uh, 22 years since 91, I have a regular column. It's my passion to 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 write about these cars and find them because, you know, as as journalists and photographers, what we want, we want we want to earn a living, but more than anything, we want to do stuff that gets read. Mm-hmm. And this stuff gets read. And I go to shows all the time, and people will say, "Oh, I, I this first thing I read in, in the in the magazine is your column. I want to see what they dug up out of the weeds," you know. That guy was telling me, I just did one on a, a Boss 429 Maverick, which they they didn't put for the build for the street. But it, the guy came up to the show and he said, Jerry, he said, look at what I found. And and it's so great that that people know who you are and they'll walk up to you to the show and they'll show you pictures. And and this guy was walking in chest high grass. He said it at, at uh, a place, and of course he doesn't want the name divulged and the exact whereabouts. And I can I can respect that. And I honor that and I let everybody proof their copy so that to make sure there's I'm, I, I don't I don't uh diss my uh my sources. That's why they come back to me and they refer me and they say, Look, this guy will do you right. I've had people call me and say, Look, I want you to write the story on my Yanko Camaro because you get the facts accurate. Well the reason I do it, I'm I'm letting my sources read it. I think that's only fair to let them okay their quotes. And make sure things. Because you don't want bad information following these cars all around.
0: No, that's true, because then they get stigmatized. Are you. Yeah, I I mean, I. Are you familiar okay, with, go ahead. Are you familiar with the, um, I'm sure you are, um, Bring a Trailer, the website? Bring a Are you familiar with the website Bring a Oh, I, I've heard about that. Okay. I have been there. Um, they, the, a lot of weird stuff, barn find stuff, turns up on there. In fact, the other day I was just looking, and somebody found in Southern California, and it's really hard to believe that there's still a few of those out there, but there are, but they found a 1957 Porsche Speedster sitting in a guy's backyard, surrounded by four fences and a wall and a house and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, buried in a Bougainvillea bush, and it's, you know, in Southern California, obviously if it's just inland a little bit, you know, there's no rust on the car. I mean, the floorboards are gone because the top's been down for a while. But I'm just like you, like you're talking about. I'm To me, the story tells a thousand – I mean, the picture tells a thousand words, but the story is what makes the whole thing come together, and that's kind of what you focus on. So it's not just the picture, but it's the whole story. Because now, just like you said, I can – you know, I can uh, I can almost experience the whole thing. You know, as if I found it and as if I discovered the car because you go into so much detail, and that's what uh, that's what makes those rare finds so fascinating, isn't it? Well,
1: uh, yes, that's it. And, and you always have to have a strong lead. Like <laughs> it's funny this guy that found this Boss 428 Maverick. we figured it was a factory uh, racing car? You know, they had about ten of those or, or so. And uh, he finds the car. He asks the guy about it, and most people won't sell. Oh, I don't want to sell right away. Said so I'll sell it to you. And he gave him a pretty cheap price. So the guy right away is on the spot. Oh my God. I was just out here looking for Mustang parts. And now this guy has this historic racing car and he'll sell it to me. And he's giving me a cheap price. And well, you kind of have to have a little gut check there, you know? Yeah. Do <laughs> you know, I have the guts to pull the trigger on this thing? Is this, you know, you, you, you start having a mental firestorm going on in your head. I mean, what do I do here? I don't want to pass this thing up. So it's not easy, man, just to buy these things. These people are, you have to be knowledgeable. I mean, it's not that simple, but um, it, it, it surely is exciting. And, and, and I mean, a speedster, my God, I love those things. I saw a speedster uh, recently in a collection, you know, because some of these rare finds can be in plain sight, let me tell you. I've seen some rare finds come out of museums. I mean, this car is in a private collection, but it was buried among some other cars. Hey, what's this over here? Do you know this guy has a 52 speedster? And this is nothing I write up because it, it didn't change hands, but he, he did buy it 20 years ago. It only it has less than 1,000 miles on it, and it's perfect. The guy bought it, he shipped it over, and it even has a roll bar from Porsche in it, and he died, and his wife couldn't bear to sell it. You know, this is something, this is one reason these things get saved. I could, I could tell you, I mean, I've done hundreds of these things, and, and you think, gosh, there can't be anymore, and they keep showing up. It's just, it's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, my first book there, I have a Boss 302 had with 196 miles. It had been sitting in that garage in Houston for 40 years. And the lady, she kept it because her husband, he drag raced a few times, and then he died. And he bought it new. And so, you, you know, there's the classic, there's a lot of, you remember the, uh, the iconic story about uh, the guy who goes to look at a 53 Chevrolet for sale, and he gets there and it's a 53 Corvette. I, I think that those are apocryphal. I don't think that, that might have happened, I, I doubt it. Or you'll hear, constantly you'll hear the story about, well, this lady got divorced and she took the car in a settlement and so despite her husband, she sold it real cheap. Well she wouldn't sell it real cheap because she owned it you know so I think those are kind of over exaggerated well, uh
0: where would you say um, demographically or geographically do most of the barn finds turn up do they turn up in the southeast the southwest the northeast the northwest or could they be anywhere I mean are you finding like an, uh, a you know a, uh, an influx of these kind of cars in a certain geographic area in the United States
1: well We mostly think of barns, and so we think of rural areas. Mm -hmm. But I have a guy in New York City that sent me quite a few of them, and they were in the city. Uh, I think uh, there was a Duesenberg that Leno, Jay Leno, found in a storage in New York City. So they can be anywhere. Now, some other countries, like with racing cars, a lot of the racing cars uh, of the 60s went to Mexico and Australian parts. Out of the country because the people who owned them had newer versions. They'd want the old versions competing against them. They'd rather went to another country. There's some of that going on. And, and, uh, there's also some demographic about a lot of muscle cars going to Mexico when the gas price, uh, the price of gasoline skyrocketed in, in the uh, early to mid seventies. And there's a lot of truth to that, because gasoline remains cheap down there, and it's still cheap compared to uh, the United States. I mean, a lot of people cross the border and fill up their tank with diesel for 100 gallons. You can only take—you can't stockpile it, but you can get it a lot cheaper. So there's a little bit of that demographic going on. Um, I think that if you have to have—America itself is a good place, because there's a lot of rural areas here, and there's a lot of storage space, you know and barns where people put things and um, people are, they think they'll, they'll use it and then they'll restore it and they don't. uh, um, You know, so.
0: Is that the classic line you hear that, uh, well, you know, I bought this car, I'm going to restore it and they never get around to it. Or are there, what are are some of the other stories, the cliches that you hear when you run across these old cars?
1: Yeah. Number one is, yeah, we're going to put that back together. We're going to, we're going to build that car. That's why they got it. Uh
0: huh. And,
1: that that's that's by far the most prevalent story, but uh, they sit there and then they start getting far worse than you ever thought they would, and and the reason they're so hard to find is people are looking for a recognizable shape, and they are not necessarily so recognizable. If you'll look in my book and see what I mean, once you know what it is, that's fine. But these people did a lot of research to figure out what this, some of these cars are. It's not so evident. <laughs>
0: Of the cars that you've discovered, what's the one car or a, what is the longest that a car has been in someone's possession before they finally gave up the car? And they realized they couldn't do anything with it anymore. Or they weren't going to do anything with the car.
1: Well, I know a guy that had a 32 Ford that he stored from 51 until just a couple of years ago. Wow.
0: 1951? In my
1: second, 1951. He And, you know, you learn things about those cars. It's a 32 model, right? Mm-hmm. It's a three-winded tube. And he stored it in 51. He bought it in the late 40s. And you think, oh, we go back to the late 40s, a 32 coupe, a 3 window coupe. He used to sign. He said, you, you had to go to a car show to see them back then. So he was lucky to get it. But, yeah, he had it over 50 years. And uh, the other thing that, that runs through this is, and this is something people should realize if they ever want to buy one of these, because there's not many people that know how to, how to buy these cars. They have to realize that the person that has it has an attachment to it, that they're really they know when you're lying to them, because people lie. To it they they want to try and get it cheap. Like I give you an example: of, uh, one of the fifty factory Cobra Jets was in a backyard in uh, California, and the guy died. He had no relatives except for a nephew. He had no direct relatives, no will. They came to settle it. Well, this guy didn't know what Cobra Jet is. He never heard the word Cobra Jet. He has to figure out what stuff's worth. Well, guy tried to uh, offer him six thousand for the car. Well, the car was worth, you know, uh, over hundred the way it sat. It was California. It was rust-free. It, it, it was pretty complete, and, and the guy did research. But the main thing you don't want to do when you're trying to buy one of these cars, you don't want to lie to somebody. You don't want to run their stuff down. That's a sure way to get your butt kicked out of there. It happens all the time. Now, my friend Rick Parker in Columbus, Ohio, has bought cars. He is really very good at buying these because... He is very um, uh, honest with the people. He he's very um, uh, he gives compliments to the cars. He says how much he likes it. See, the people will more likely sell you one if 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 they think you like the car. If they think you're going to resell it, you they'll probably kick you out of there. And I, I just had a cover story in Mustang Monthly, the June issue of a '65 GT 350 Shelby. And those cars bring, you know, up, upwards of 300000 They have bought $400,000 for streetcars. And this guy had with 6,000 miles. Well, the guy that won the Canadian lottery um, uh, went up there and found out about it, called the guy. Now, nobody could buy this car. How did he get it? Well, here's how he got it. He complimented the guy in the car, and he said, I will not change this car. It, he, it was a drag car from day one and if you restored it back to stock then he would disappear he was going to keep the heritage intact he was not going to sell it and the guy after negotiate yeah, after two or three months he finally decided to sell it to him you have to realize these cars mean a lot of these people otherwise they wouldn't hang on to them would they they'd have they'd been gone long gone you would never had the chance to buy it and and you don't you do not want to lie to people because they they can tell it tell them the truth try and give them what the car's worth you might. Everybody wants a good deal, and you know I've seen people get just wonderful deals. Uh, I know of a '65 GT350 guy bought about three years ago, twenty five thousand. It was it was complete. It was rust free. It was all run down, and you know missing this and that. But um, you know you can get good deals, but you need they're they're not going to sell this stuff to liars.
0: Hmm. Although uh, the- to put it. You know. Put it bluntly. All right, now Jerry, you've got a couple books that are out there. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of your books, how would they go about doing it? We got a couple of minutes left, so uh, we're going to have to wind down here a little bit. But go ahead and tell us uh, well, about your website.
1: You know, I, I I've just got to where I say go to Amazon because you can get it a lot cheaper. Okay. You know, now if you and, and and they're both on there, just go to Amazon and punch in rare finds, Jerry Heasley or whatever. You'll see two two books pop up. One is on Mustang and Fords, and one is on. Uh, um, just muscle cars. And I'll be honest with you, they're paperback, but that's plastic. Those covers are real durable. These are these are real durable books, nicely bound. And I would say uh, that's the, – and they're – to get them so much cheaper. Now, I have to get retail for them if you want to buy them. If you go to my website, you can email me and I'll do that. People that are my friends or that want them, I'll do that. Otherwise, I'm, I, I really kind of don't do that unless I'm at a show. Because I want people to get a good deal, you know, and, uh, you know, you can save 10 bucks, you know, by going to Amazon uh, or a little more on the, on the first one's 30, the second one's 25. You can buy them for like 18 and 16 there uh, and they'll ship it right out, you know, so. Okay. I don't do this for money. I, I, you know, I make a living as a writer and a photographer, but you know, I like these people, and and I, I try my best to 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 be accurate with their cars. And like I told the guy that found, he's trying to figure out more on the Boss Maverick. I said, look, let me put it in the magazine, and somebody will write you; they'll have an original picture of it. And um, you know, I like what I do, and I like these. I love these people, and and I want to help them. Super. And then it's, you know.
0: All right, Joe, so. you'd be willing to come on again, because I'd like to have you on every once in a while and then come up with some really good, juicy stories for some of our listeners. You willing to do that?
1: Oh, I, oh yes, sir. I have tons of them. I'd love, love to share them with
0: you. Okay, good. Don't forget now, this Friday is National Collector Car Appreciation Day, Friday the 12th, so get in your old classic car. Drive your classic car around. We'll see you at some of the car shows this weekend. In the meantime, I want everybody to stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars every week. Tell your buddies, you know what? Cars are cool. Cars rule. We'll see you guys. Take care.
1: Telling tales out of school, but there's a better in there will pay you $10 if you sing into his pants. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.